Welcome to the May We Be Them podcast hosted by me, Sarah Dumond. Each episode, I get to introduce you to amazing women who bring life to the quote, here's to strong women. May we know them, may we be them, may we raise them. Hey guys, it's me. I'm back with another new podcast. I'm so excited. I managed to get another one done in less than a week, and um, this one I'm super, super excited to bring to you. Um, Today's guest is known by many and loved by all. Uh, She, for sure, is one of the first people that I thought of when I started making my initial list of people that I wanted to have on. Not only do I love and respect and admire her in her professional role, but I also have just mad respect for the way that she conducts herself outside of her career. I literally tell her every time I see her, she'll laugh when she hears me say that because she knows it's true. I tell her every time I see her that her relationship with her adult kids is the stuff of dreams. I just admire it so much. She knows that I aim to almost pretty much carbon copy that relationship with my own kids. That's like a goal of mine. Carla Moyer is officially the head of middle school at Cannon School in Concord, North Carolina. And if you're recognizing a theme here, um, you would be correct. Um, I've had several people on here from this fabulous school, and there's a reason. It's a pretty great place full, full of pretty great people. Um, so she's the head of middle school. Head of middle school is synonymous with being the principal of the middle school, which at, I know at a lot of schools, well, I would guess probably isn't always the most beloved of positions. Um, but I can tell you unequivocally that there is not a, a student, a parent, a faculty member, really anyone that has a bad word to say about this woman. She is, she, she's so unique. She breathes some pretty rare air in that way, and I'm not even sure that she fully understands how much she touches other people. There just aren't so many people in this world who completely hold the affection and respect of a whole group of people like she does. And yet, you'll hear during our our conversation that um, confidence isn't necessarily a character trait that um, she brings to the table um, and allows her to do what she does. She Um, Talks a lot about her particular style of leadership. Um, We get into talking a little bit about uh, what it means to have grit and resilience. We talk uh, a little bit about running. She's a fellow running junkie like I am. Um, She's a marathoner. Um, There's just a lot of layers to this woman, and she was a complete joy to sit and, and talk to for an hour. Um, She's a Pennsylvania native, but she considers herself, she considers North Carolina home. She's a lifelong educator and mentor to many. She's the proud mom of two millennials, Kenzie and Tully. She's the wife of a supportive husband, Pat, and her relationship with uh, Pat, honestly, that could be a whole separate podcast in and of itself. It's just so cool. Um... She's an avid reader. Your your jaw will drop when you hear how often or how much she reads. Um, She's an avid concert goer. And even more specific than that, she is a crazy Avid Brothers fan. I think she said she's working on her 40th Avid Brothers concert. Um, I'm not sure that there is a more devoted Avid Brothers fan than than I'm aware of anyway. Um, So anyhow, sit back, relax, and I know you're going to enjoy my conversation with Carla Moyer. Hi, Carla. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, you came out on a very rainy night. 
We thought it was healing. It turned out it wasn't. Not quite. It yeah. sure looked like it, though. <laughs> um, well, we are going to jump right in to um, the Q&A here. And what I like to do with most people is just um, give everybody a little window into your background, like all the way back. So I know you're from Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if that's where you're originally from or whether that's just where you spent a lot of time. But take me back to the very beginning and tell me where you um, where you grew up, what your family was like, like all little Carla. Little Carla. Okay. Yeah. Little Carla grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So oh. if you've heard the Billy Joel song, yeah. Allentown, that's where everybody tends to remember Allentown. So Eastern Pennsylvania grew up um, with a sister, younger sister, and my parents, my mother was a nurse um, before I was born. So she worked um, long before I was born and then worked again after um, I was born. So she she's always been a working mom her whole life yeah uh, my father was a musician so he no would way. do he was he my grandfather also was a musician oh my um, gosh my grandfather this is a really interesting story he was a truck driver by day okay and a piano bar player at night and oh my gosh he, um the legend is he never read any music he could just play by ear wow he was really amazing we do have a few recordings which is fun Wow. Um, so my father was um, a musician. He owned a guitar store, basically a music store. Wow. So, um, and my sister and I um, grew up together about two years apart from one another. Had You're older family. or you're younger? I'm the older one. Okay. She's younger. And then um, went to college, actually, in my hometown, Muhlenberg College. I don't know if you've ever heard What's of it. What's the name of it? Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that. And yeah. Here in Allentown. And I met Pat. Um, that's a really long story for another time. But I met Pat at the around the, when I was around 17 or 18. Okay. And he was going to a local college nearby, so we met. So okay. soon after I graduated from college, we moved to Raleigh, where Pat was going to get his Ph.D., Okay. So we moved from Pennsylvania to Raleigh, got married. I was super young. I was 22 when I got married. I was such a baby. Uh-huh. I look back on that and think, oh my goodness. I'm going to just say so it. so young. It worked out. Okay. It worked out. <laughs> 32 years this summer yeah. we're celebrating. Wow. This, this month, actually. Um, so moved to Raleigh, spent five or six years teaching middle school in Raleigh. And then when Pat got his PhD, he got his first job in California. Oh, okay. And so we moved to Santa Clara, California which is in the Bay Area, so okay. the northern part of California. So we moved there, lived there just long enough to have two children. So both of my kids were born in They're California. California they are California. Oh, cool. Tully left when we he was, I think, 17 days old or something yeah. crazy. So Pat was with a startup company in Silicon Valley and decided that that life was not what we wanted for two children. He was yeah. traveling all the time. He was working 24-7 and decided that that was not the path he wanted to take. Yeah. Decided to move into academia so he got a job in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. So off we went, two kids under the age of two. Complete um, opposite coast. Complete opposite coast. And Staten Island is a really, really interesting uh, place. We had a 700-square-foot apartment, one car. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was an interesting year. And um, at the end of that year, we said, this is not where we want to be. Yeah. And so he uh, had an offer from UNC Charlotte to be a professor. So that's what brought us he got back to North, to North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. So... Um, we, we've lived here since my son was just under a year old and this feels like home between Raleigh yeah. and, and, um, Charlotte, we really feel like North Carolina is, yeah. is our home. It's an easy place to adopt. Yeah. So that's what we feel the same here. way. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to make you go back a little bit more cause that was sort of like a fast track, like this is your life, um, covering from little mm-hmm. to, to now. Um, 
Tell me how your interest in teaching developed. Um, like, was that something that you always knew you wanted to do? Mm-hmm. And um, and if not, like, when did that develop? Yeah. I've been playing school since I was three. Oh. I mean, I'm one of those people who just, I loved being in school. Yeah. I loved the whole concept of school. I love learning. I still get excited about new school supplies at the beginning <laughs> of the year. I'm just a school nerd. Uh-huh. So I have always wanted to be a teacher and went to college with that intent um, it was really interesting when I was an undergrad, I was a math major. So at my college, you do a math major and then you student mm-hmm. teach and you add that to your, yeah. to your role. And so many people tried to talk me out of becoming a teacher. <sighs> Why do you want to become a teacher? You can do this. You can You're so right. You can do anything. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, they just tried to well, go to grad school. You're so successful in your math classes. Why don't you go to grad school? I said, no, you know, I really, I really want to teach. Yeah. Um, and I was a little burned out after undergrad. I was, I had just worked so hard and didn't, it's my one regret in life is not having more fun in college than I had. Girl, um, you and me both. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have many regrets in life, but that is one. And I tell people that. Um, and so I became a teacher. We moved to Raleigh soon after I graduated and I started at East Millbrook middle school Mm -hmm. in Raleigh and taught there for five or six years. And then I was, um, a stay at home mom. We had, we had always decided that when we had kids, um, that one of us would stay home. So um, we d- I did that for six or seven years. And then when Tully was old enough to go to school, a friend of mine had started working at Canon and said, you ought to check out Canon. And I did, and this is now my 22nd year. And I Canon. should know this. I don't know this. But what was your first position at Canon? I was a 7th and 8th grade teacher, mm-hmm. math and science. Okay. Then I was the 7th and 8th grade dean uh-huh. for six years, I believe. And then I applied for this position, and now I'm starting my eighth year in this position. Wow, eight yeah. years. It's crazy. I do remember when that happened. Mm-hmm. I remember when you moved into that position. Yeah. But, um, okay, so you were just destined to be a teacher. Always you were destined to be in education yes, from I day one. went back for my master's at age 40 because I was encountering some kind of career. If you don't have your master's, mm-hmm. it's hard to advance. Yeah. So went back and got my master's degree at age 40 with two kids greeting papers at ball games yeah. and you know, yeah. ships passing in the night with Pat. He'd yep. come home from work and I'd go out to class. Yeah. And I actually really loved it. Yeah. Um, it kept me really busy, but it was How so old fun. were the kids at that at that stage? I think I, they were maybe maybe eight and ten. They were old mm-hmm. enough to be able to be home for a few minutes mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. And my son said to me at the end, oh, thank goodness you're done. Now I'll never have to eat another can of chicken noodle soup. <laughs> Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Uh, you might be eating more of that, but exactly. <laughs> I was going to say that that's for a different time in your life. Um, okay, so one of my questions I had written down here is when did your husband Pat come into your life? But we just covered that, so that was early on. Very um, early. Mm-hmm. Okay, can we talk a little bit about the idea of combining um, passion and purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big. I don't know. I have a big fascination with that. Um, I think. It's definitely a journey that I'm on, and I'm interested when I feel like I can identify people that are on that same journey, and like very quickly, I made this short list of people I wanted to have on. I told you right away. I was like, you're on my short list. Whether you want to be or not, you're on it. And um, I think part of it is because you stand out to me as a shining example of somebody who has a great combination of passion and purpose. Um, And so i just love to get your take on, you know, on that, um, I, you know, for me, um, my the combination of passion and purpose was not like it was not an, a, 
a planned thing. I sort of like stumbled into it, like backdoor stumbled into it and kind of only in retrospect sort of look at it now and go, oh, I guess, yeah, there was, there was definitely purpose. And I guess I am pretty passionate about this and didn't realize, but how would you like, is that something you were cognizant of along the way? Was that something that you were like, were you a seeker? Like you, you knew, like, I know I want to do something that's more than just a job, or I know I want to do something that's more of a calling. Would you say that? It's really funny you use that word because that's exactly the word I was going to use. I had two uncles in my life and a family friend who were all educators. Okay. And I was always fascinated by the stories they told and especially, um, my uncle, my uncle Daryl, who was my, my father's brother, he was a beloved high school English teacher and coach. And he just, when he talked about kids, he just, he would light up yeah. and he would just get so excited about their growth and the stories he would tell. And my other uncle was a bander, a high school band director. So okay. he was, I was kind of watching his music journey and he's, yeah. um, and his passion for that. So I said, wow, that's, that's really great. I, I think that's what I want to do. So yeah. I really do see it as a calling. And I, I, I worry these days about um, not enough young people feeling the calling to teach. Yeah. Given what teachers are dealing with all around yeah. the country. But it definitely was a calling. And once you start doing something you love and you, you just feel that, yeah. you just want to continue it. And yeah. um, when I was first hired, the person who hired me said, where do you see yourself in, in 10 years? And I said, honestly, I see myself in the classroom in 10 years because yeah. I love it that much. Yeah. And I was in the classroom yeah. 10 years after he asked me that. Yeah. Um, then I started to see um, leadership opportunities and I started to realize, well, why not me? Mm-hmm. That's, that's an opportunity I could seek. Um, and so that's where the, the master's degree came in yeah. purposeful planning of, of what was next and how to get to that point. And then I've been very, very lucky to be able to grow in a place that I love so mm-hmm. much. I'm very attached to, to place and to relationships and mm-hmm. still really connected to lots of students I taught mm-hmm. way back. Um, so I would say I have never once woken up and said, I don't want to go to work today. And I don't feel like going to work today, or I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be an educator. This past year was hard for a I lot of us. I was just getting ready to say that's that's a huge statement coming off of this past year. Yeah. I don't know how you all got through it, yeah. quite frankly. Um, I don't. You, I'm sure you don't either. Yeah. But um, okay, so this is interesting to me. So you said the what, what one of the things you said just now that stood out to me is you said you saw these leadership opportunities and you said why not me I don't think everybody thinks that way mm-hmm. in fact I know not everybody thinks that way so where yeah. does that come from is that just always has that always been part of Carla um actually I people who know me really really well know I suffer from a lack of confidence at yeah. times so it's very that's bad. pretty common in leaders it I mean really, especially female leaders yes it is you know, this imposter syndrome yes. or this yes. feeling of of that I think I got to a point where I knew when I wasn't ready mm-hmm. there came a point when when the head of middle school job came up and when they hired my yeah. predecessor yeah and I remember the head of school coming to me and saying, you know, what are, what are you thinking? What's your recruit? Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not, I'm just not ready. I'm ready for something else. Yeah. But I don't know what that is. And that's when I started as the dean. But then when the head of middle school came up again, I said, you know, I, I'm ready to throw my name in mm-hmm. the hat at this point. But I, I Oops. also don't Sorry, really guys. know, um, I don't really know how, what the next thing is for me. Like yeah. right now, I, I don't really have a vision for what is next for yeah. me. Being where I am with my age, how 
close I am to retirement, mm-hmm. what I would like to do in a school, mm-hmm. does a head of school appeal to me? Is it mm-hmm. something in admission work? Is mm-hmm. it something in completely in higher ed? Is it something mm-hmm. completely outside of education? So I can't see myself ever leaving education, but I also, I don't have this undying confidence that says, oh, I'm going to go for this and I'm going to nail it. I, yeah. I really have to do a lot of positive self-talk. I I um, can very much relate to that. And I also think, this is just from me listening to all of my podcasts that I listen to and talking to people and really just studying people. I feel like I'm a student of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that that's actually um, like a, an attribute of a really admirable leader is I don't. I think that's maybe a misnomer that people think they that leaders have to feel emboldened and really confident and have this self assuredness. But I think more than that, um, it's more of like this hunger for growth. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. sort of. And I always tell people that, like, I don't know whether that's some people may find that's a a negative trait, but um, that you're never, you know that you're always feeling like this internal need to just grow mm-hmm. in some way, mm-hmm. but that's what that sounds like to me that you're describing is that you just sort of feel like, I don't know, maybe just have this compulsion to always be growing and in some direction. Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely it. And it's, for me, it's never been about a title. It's never yeah. been about accomplishment. Um, I attended a seminar recently where we had to pick an image that spoke to us as a leader. And the image I chose was, um, two people in a pool and you know, when you're in the pool and your kids step on your hands and you lift them up and they yep. go flying in yeah. the air and, uh-huh. and the per- you're the person that's standing there lifting up people. Them. That's my leadership style. Oh, that's so, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, maybe that yeah. comes from being a teacher. Yeah. But that's how I, I feel my leadership style has translated to, to the people I lead is I want them to be so successful and yeah. I want them to go. And I, at the point where I decide, Oh, maybe the next thing is for me, is like I could really have an impact on other people mm-hmm. and really help them grow in yeah. addition to growing myself. Yeah. Um, and there's also a little stubborn streak in me, which translates to many of my running adventures. Yeah. But, which we'll get to, but, but, <laughs> but also in, I think in leadership, you, there's always going to be doubt because it's always something new. You're yeah. trying no no two days are the same in your world and yeah. my world and exactly. it's problem solving and it's like wow this is really I can have an impact and I can have a positive yeah um, feel. So I think it's that um, agency. It's it's having having a true impact, leaving a little bit of a legacy. Those things all appeal to me, but yeah. it's never been about me. It's never been about. Aren't I wonderful? And here yes. I am. I'm the leader. Right. I don't even like when people call me boss. Like John <laughs> Riley used to always call me boss. Uh-huh. Hey, boss. Yep. How you doing? Yep. But I just that was that was more of an affectionate term. Yes. I'm guessing. I, I think yeah. for him it was. Yeah. But he was very also about um, yeah so respectful yes. about people. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. I like all of that. Let me see what I have next here. Um, all right. So we just talked about the fact that we came off what I have to imagine is. I mean, there, you couldn't have had a harder year than this past year in your career. Would yeah. you agree? Like, I'm not really sure that there would be anything that would qualify as that uh, harder than what we just came off of. So um, if there were ever a year that called for um, other qualities of grit and resilience, um, this would have been the year. So, by the way, have you, have you read the book Grit? I have not book? read the book Grit. We've studied know? a lot of about grit as yeah. educators, but I've not read the book. It's really good. Mm. You would love it. I'll have to go back yeah. and yeah, yeah, check yeah. it out. Um, so 
yeah, what the book talks about is is this idea kind of to to piggyback on what we were talking about with leadership and how, you know, the best leaders aren't always the ones that are, um, you know, the loudest or the, at the front of the pack. Um, there's some other qualities that come into play. This book really talks about that as well, that, that um, just having tenacity and grit really um, leads to um, success in life. So I have a big interest in this because of raising kids, like, right? I just, I want to make sure that I am raising or have raised kids who have that. I, you come from a similar background, mm-hmm. I think, that I do. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in West Virginia, you're from Pennsylvania, very blue collar. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, rub some dirt on it. <laughs> and hard work, I'm not sure that we valued anything more than that. Like, right. it was, that you're was so like right. the, <laughs> that right. was the thing. If you were a hard worker, if somebody called you a hard worker, like, that was the highest compliment that you could You are exactly right. Achieve. And, you know, and then I look at, the life that we lead here. I love the life that we lead here, but it's a very comfortable life. And my kids don't, their lives, their childhoods don't look anything like mine. And so I'm, I feel like I'm constantly searching for ways to sort of like manufacture mm-hmm. grit or give them opportunities mm-hmm. to have that, that grit and resilience. Um, like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you're leading a whole group of middle school kids and, well, really teachers, but mm-hmm. watching these these kids transition through some really pivotal years. Um, like, do you have any, any like, thoughts on what uh, the, the magic formula is? Or, or... <laughs> I, I think I just could not agree with you more about how we were both raised. Yeah. We come from very similar areas. I was, I was talking about my mother working even before I was born. Yeah. My grandmother was a waitress until she was in her late 70s. Oh, yeah. I mean, my grandmother owned her own hair salon until she was, like, in her 80s. Yeah. yeah so similar. Is... She, she, she uh, not to steal your thunder, like, one-up you, but I love, my the same grandmother delivered when she was a teenager, she delivered the Saturday Evening Post on horseback. <laughs> That's right? Awesome. Like, that was her job for, like, five <laughs> cents a day or something. So, yeah, anyhow. And it's, it just becomes part of you. And I think we were raised, uh, I'll see you in the evening, come in when it gets mm-hmm. dark. There was no micromanaging of our no. our play or right. who we were with. And we lived in a row home, so there were hundreds of kids, so many blocks. Went to a high school with, I don't know, I graduated with 650 Same. people. Yeah. Um, and you really had to kind of make your way. And then fast forward to kind of, and I, my kids are a little older than yours, I felt like my generation, I've, I've done some reading about this, has been the worrying generation, yeah. you know, because kids were on milk cartons, and you yeah. had this fear, and you parented somewhat from fear, so you kind of zoned in on, ooh, I've got to protect these kids. Yeah, it was defensive parenting. It like, really was. Them and make sure nothing happened. And now I'm starting to see a shift back to kind of as the pendulum swings. You yeah. Know, you've gone here, and now you've gone here, and I'm watching some of my millennial friend yeah, parents right and they're very relaxed i yeah. love watching them parent oh that's nice to hear oh. i don't i don't know if i have any millennial parent friends so i, I don't get an up close and personal look yeah i'm seeing them raise their kids and they're just enjoying it they're oh. just having so much fun but i think it's funny when you you have a daughter who just went through the application process and and you want to have a story what's your yeah. adversity story yeah and, and a lot of kids just haven't had that adversity right and, and the first time they're going to really have that is when they leave home yeah and they're going to be away from you. So, but I think there's a lot of modeling that goes on. Oh, I, that's a good point. I think yeah. they're watching you. They're watching everything you do. They're watching you work. Um, your kids are watching you. Hey, I want. I'm going to start my own business, and I'm yeah. really proud of that. And my parents both work really hard. Yeah. They value my education, and they're so they can they can 
they work hard so that I can have the things I need. Yeah. Um, you have them surrounded by so many great kids and their athletics outside of school or yeah. whatever their activities are. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of what kids absorb right now is through is through modeling. Yeah. And it's easy to say, oh, kids, take risks and, and do this and try new things and fail. Um, and it's hard when they do. Yeah. It is. Oh, gosh. It is. It's one of the most painful things to watch a kid it really is. struggle. Yeah. Socially. Yes. Physically. Yeah. doesn't matter in what respect. Emotionally. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard. But it, it's harder to, I think, develop it. I just started a book. I'm three pages in. Um, called Free Range Kids. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that has any I've that. interesting. Yeah. But I've also read um, when Julie Lifcott Haynes yeah. came uh-huh. to, a few years ago. Her books are really great. How yeah. to Raise an Adult. And Agreed. I, I I read everything I can get my hand yeah. on. I'm a huge reader. Um, but I do think it's, you parent very similarly to the way we parent. It's, we're yeah. going to be here to support you, but yeah. we're also not going to coddle you and yes. you're going to work. And, I mean, I see your daughter has, yeah. has a job. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> We, we all had summer jobs since we were 14 yeah. years old. And so I think you have expectations of them that are not anti-grit or anti-resilience. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's in this day and age of parenting and living in suburbia. Yeah, exactly. Kids are with their friends all the time. Um, I, think, I think they're taking a lot in. I like that point about modeling. I'm going to write that down because that's a good reminder to me. I mean, not that I'm going to change anything, but just when I start worrying mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm not doing enough mm-hmm. or... Um, okay, this is a, a, maybe a good lead-in because um, we're on the parenting discussion, and so you probably know where I'm going to go with this next, because I feel like every time I run into you, I'm like, I want to bottle up what you have, and just, can I just recreate exactly what you and Pat have done with your kids, and just pour it over top of my family? You have one of the coolest relationships, at least, I mean, you know. It's only what I see from, you know, pictures and hear about stories. But I love the relationship that you have with your adult kids. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like, you it's you can genuinely, it seems like a genuine, like, you all love being together. You, you're not necessarily together a lot because you're all scattered. Right. But um, maybe that's part of what makes it sweeter. I don't know. But you have, um, like, what appears to be just, like, a true love and respect and friendship with them. And, um I want to know, like, I mean, I, are you, like, I'm always pointing it out to you. Yeah, so you processed kind of, it. I figured yeah. you were going to bring yeah. this up, yeah. so I've been thinking yeah. about it. I, I, I'm also very strategic in who I invite on, like, for selfish reasons. I'm like, okay, I want her, because I want to oh, find yeah. out about this. Yeah, okay. yeah. so this is for selfish reasons. So I'm, like, sitting at your feet, really, oh, wow. truly. I okay. love, love, love the relationship you have with them. Yeah, it's, and I always tell people, um, you know, adult children are just amazing. I, I loved every age. I yeah. was really good about soaking up the moment at every age. Yeah. You know, I could have taken or left 16-year-old <laughs> daughter, mom things. Yes. But, um, or, you know, the whiny stages or whatever. Yeah. But I think um, they're really just fun to be around because they're, they're grown in, they've grown into who they are. Yeah. And you get to really enjoy them. You get to sit back and say, all right, we did this. And we helped them along the way, but they also are who they are. Yeah. I would say part of it was... We never lived near family. We never lived near extended family. It was okay. always just us. We uh-huh. never had aunts or uncles or grandparents around. It was yep. always a, a long distance to travel to see them. So we had to really rely on, on one another other. anyway. Um, we always said to ourselves, we, we never want to look back and say, gosh, I wish we'd have spent more time with our kids. Yeah. So even though we really valued our work and valued our jobs, we always made them a priority as far as time. It mm-hmm. wasn't things. It mm-hmm. wasn't... We didn't even go to beach vacations when we were, I was a stay-at-home mom. We didn't have money to go on vacation, yeah. and we, we just wouldn't spend money on things, but we would always spend time together. Yeah. 
So we prioritize their time. Um, we always let them follow their passions and decide what they wanted to do mm-hmm. rather than imposing our own mm-hmm. desires onto them. Really? Mm-hmm. You want to quit baseball, but I love going mm-hmm. to baseball games. Yeah. Um, no, I really want to play lacrosse, mom. Which like, is cool. stupid that that's hard. I don't know why that is, but it is, it can be hard. Because those people become our friends. Yes. You know, yes. we like, oh, who am I going to sit on the sidelines with? I know these families. <laughs> right, now. right. Um, and we just felt like we really um, were able to let them follow their passions. Um, and you guys were on the same page from the get-go. I mean, you yes. just naturally fell into step with that. Yes, yes. totally. And I, um, Pat did a lot of coaching, um, especially of Kenzie later in life. Yeah. And they have a really special bond through all of that coaching. Yeah. She handled that really well. Um, my son didn't love being coached <laughs> by my husband because he took everything as criticism. Uh-huh. You know, and we yep. talk about we still talk about it to this day. Um, and so Pat knew when to back off and say, all right, it's time for somebody else to coach yeah. him so we can salvage our... Yes. We, it, we don't want this getting in the way yeah. of our relationship. The father-son's more important. So it was interesting. So Kenzie and Pat would go one direction, and Tully and I would go the other. I became kind of a lacrosse parent, and uh-huh. so uh, we went on trips with lacrosse. They they hang, hang out, hung out. Because with what's bit. the age difference between... They're Kenzie? 19 months apart. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought they were close. They're I didn't realize really they close. were that close. Okay. Two years apart in school, but 19 okay. months apart in age. Yeah. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time with them... Um, doing those sorts of things and we always we always say gosh we we spent our time and our energy on our kids if you'd have seen our house that we just sold a few years ago yeah. you would be clear that we wow they spent well a lot loved. of time with their kids because they haven't done anything to this house in three years and I could take you through mine in a minute you so. know we just prioritized them and prioritized that time and then yeah. when it came time for them to to explore we we didn't put any rem any parameters on them you have to go to college within two hours right you have to do this or you have to do that yeah we just kind of let them explore, and it, it kind of settled in the way it settled. Yeah. Um, and Kenzie ended up in Arizona, you know, 2,000 miles away. I know. Oh, my gosh. And I'll never forget that plane ride home. You know, I that was... can't imagine. Oh. <laughs> Pat always laughs. He said, Kenzie was calling me crying, and five minutes later, Carla was calling oh. me crying. And I was like, oh, what do I do? Um, and I think that gave them a little independence, and we just made it a priority to get out there and visit them yeah. periodically. Yeah. So Thanksgiving, for example, was hard for her to come this way with the time difference. Yep. So I flew out there, and she and I just did a mother-daughter yeah. road trip for the three days she had off for Thanksgiving. We went to L.A. and yeah, we just had we just had fun, fun. with it. Mm-hmm. And then same with Maine. Um, you know, it's a plane ride to Maine too. Totally wanted to go to Maine, and um, we yeah, just gosh, I know, right? It's just coast. To I mean, coast. right? Could they get any further? No, they really couldn't. And so we just have really enjoyed that. And now Kenzie has settled there and Tully has is settled in New York City. Yeah. In New York City for the foreseeable future. And um, now I will say the last time the four of us together was this recent vacation. And yeah. before that, it had been six years since we'd taken a family A family vacation. vacation. So okay. what you see is a lot of we're visiting Kenzie, yeah. we're visiting Tully, or yeah. three of us are one place, but very rarely will you see the four of us. Yeah. So that's really but sad. But see, even that I think is like, it's not sad. It just, this is, I mean, it's coordinating. Uh, but, so some people would, I, like that, would, I would not have known that, I guess is the point I'm making, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't get that vibe from you, like, oh, it's so hard, our kids are all <laughs> spread out. I mean, you could be that way, right? Like, right. we've had a family vacation in five years, yeah. we haven't all been in the same right. place. Instead, the only thing I get from you is... I went out and ran this half marathon with my daughter. It was so fun. <laughs> or, you know, I went up and just 
just you by your yourself and hang out with New York City with yeah. your son. Yeah, just for a couple days. Like that's what I get from you. So that's like that's my goal. And like I just I don't know. It's like this. You can very much see that you just enjoy your kids mm-hmm. you just enjoy them we do and we try not to put we try not to put any guilt on anybody yeah there's definitely I think that's definitely got to be a key component it is and something like Thanksgiving where we say gosh are you coming can we fly you home for Thanksgiving and Tully would always have exams yeah. right after Thanksgiving he'd say I really I really if I come home I will be really struggling for exams yeah. I'm gonna have dinner with my friend here in yeah. Maine and we were like great that sounds awesome can we send some food to their house like yeah we just tried never to put any guilt trips on them yeah we got that a little bit yeah living away from people so you knew what you didn't want we knew what we didn't want to do and we just make the effort and um they've been super super appreciative of everything and and really gracious to when we visit them we visit them yeah we're together yeah for days yeah Poor Kenzie had, um, until she bought a house a year ago, but she had an apartment and I was there. We were on her couch with our suitcase in the middle of her little 800 square foot apartment and she was very tolerant and very good about putting up with us. But we also tried to really get to know their friends. Yeah. That's another really wonderful thing. I pick up on that. Yeah. I do pick up on that too. Yeah. Talk about that a little. So I always said there's, you can look at this two different ways. One one piece of advice I give people is let other people help you raise your kids. Uh-huh. I agree with that let so them, much. Let yes. the coach ride them in practice. Yep. Let the mom of their friend be the one they're talking to, even if they're not talking yep. to you. And it's okay. Yep. And it's so important. And they're forming healthy relationships outside of your family. Yeah. And we never placed any sort of pressure or guilt on them to not do that. Yes. So they have all these wonderful second parents. Yes. And Everywhere, which is great. And you have all these wonderful second children. That's the other piece. Yeah. Is it goes kind of the other way. Yeah. I always, we were the kid house. Um, we we said, of course, your kids can come by. We've had kids in our house without our kids. <laughs> <laughs> Tully said, hey, can, my friends are on a road trip from college. Oh, can so they fun. Can they stay at the house? They're on their way just for one. I'm like, absolutely. I mean, I don't know that there's a bigger compliment. Right? Like, I mean, if really, your parents truly. are cool enough yes. to send your, exactly. your friends. So we just always made sure we were that house. Yeah. And we just, yes, of course, bring home, bring some friends. And anytime we'd go to college, and this is a, a good note for you, uh-huh. is when you go to visit her at college, you say, we're going to take you out to dinner, bring bring three or four friends. Yeah. And then you slowly kind of get to know these kids. Yeah. Um, and then you get a little glimpse into their world without... Um, Having to interrogate. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the other kids will talk I mean, more. The other it. version of that that I've said, and this is so, like I don't know if this sounds weird, but I was like, I secretly kind of hope her roommate. She doesn't find out her roommate does until the last week of July. I was like, I kind of hope she's from like Oregon or something because <laughs> then we can be like the house that she brings her yeah, Oregon roommate go. to, you know, like because she can't fly home all the time, you know. Yeah. Like, and that's that's what I would love to do. Exactly what you're describing. And that's I still do that. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if you saw. Uh, you probably haven't been on social media today, but last night we met one of Kenzie's friends from high school. We've been trying to get together for a long time because he keeps saying, oh, I want to see you guys, I want to see you. And we we had dinner with her friend from high school without yeah. our kids being around. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that happens. I came, this is a funny story, I came home from work one day and I had all these kids in my living room like, hi guys, like, hi. So where's Kenzie and Tully? Oh, they went to cook out to get milkshakes. They'll be right back. And there were, other people's children sitting in my living room. I love it. Okay. Oh, that's so, such a huge yeah. compliment. That's such a huge compliment. Yeah. But I, we've made a conscious effort to do that. Yeah. Um, of course, at Canon, it was easy. I taught 
a lot yeah. of the kids in their grade to better for better or for worse yeah. than my children. But um, I knew a lot of people from high school and then college. We just really made an effort to to get to know them and just on their kids' terms. Yeah. And then now that um, you know, now that Kenzie's an adult, when we go to Phoenix, it's just a thing. That yeah. We get together with these two or three people and yeah. we go out to dinner and we. Yeah, we even have a restaurant that we for the one friend. It's this restaurant, and Aww. so it's super fun. And um, then when they have significant others, yes. then that's a whole other. Yep, yep. Add world. another layer. Of, yep. yep. Well, let that be a feather in your cap because it's just something I Thank will you. forever, ever, ever admire about you guys. Like it just, it's like blindingly obvious, mm. and I, I admire it and secretly covet it. And <laughs> it starts with what you're doing right now. I mean, you're you're doing so many things the same way. You're well, spending time with them. You, you hope you, you know? let them pursue their interests. You're you know you're there for them, but you're not yeah doing things for them. I mean, you're you're planting we the try. seeds. I, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. Planting the seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you're more than just a mom. <laughs> also, yeah. more than just a teacher. So I want to shift gears next and talk about running. Oh boy! Okay. <laughs> so I don't remember what it was. I don't know. Maybe. Four or five years ago, I don't know. I guess it was probably sometime when maybe my first when Anna came to middle school when we discovered that we had that shared um, passion. I, I did. I don't. I don't think I knew that you were even involved in the UCRR or not the UCR, but the Run for Your Life group. Okay. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But um, I think it just came up in conversation one day, and um, and I think maybe it, it was around the time when you you had started. First started, right? I don't know. Tell me about when you got into it, how you got into it. So I've had a, I, I was not an exerciser my whole life. I didn't yes. play sports. I was in the marching band. So okay. I was not a, like, I didn't grow up an athlete. I'm very uncoordinated. <laughs> I, in college, I started teaching aerobics, if you can believe okay. that. Oh, yeah. Spandex, step aerobics. Step aerobics. Oh, yeah. I, you think about 1980s yeah. flash dance. Listen, I was that in, was it. Yeah. Got it. So I started exercising just because I, I am not a naturally, um, I don't have great genes as far as the body weight. So it's just been, frankly, a constant struggle my whole life. Uh So I said, I've got to do something that's accessible. I'm a busy person. Um, It's got to be fun. I'm a social exerciser. So at age 48, I joined the Run Fit and so but what was it that made you join? Had you gone in there to buy shoes and you I, saw a little think, flyer? You know, like, I used to buy Runner's World magazine when I wasn't even a runner because oh, I found so it so inspiring. Yeah, it is very inspiring. I would read that magazine. And then um, here's here's the clincher I always credit. Cassie Calvert, who was a friend of my daughter's, oh, yeah. um, she ran her first marathon and Kenzie happened to be home um, from college. And she said, let's go root Cassie on at the finish line. <gasps> So we stood. You spectated at a oh marathon. Oh my gosh! We stood at the finish line and watched these people finish a marathon. And you're like, I'm getting tears right now. Yeah, I'm getting chills. Yeah, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And just the support and the yeah. positivity. And of course, here comes Fit Cassie across the finish line, looking but like she never all ran. all different body types, oh my right? Gosh. Like, I was like, oh, I, I look like that person. That could be me. Yeah, or there's not like one runner type. Yes. Right. So I got very inspired. Okay, that that makes sense. And then yeah. I I would go in to run for your life to buy shoes and be a little like, oh, I'm going to start running, right? Yeah. And it's hard to do anything. I, I like accountability, and mm-hmm. I like you have to show up at yeah. this time. Here it is. And of course, Pat is super supportive of all that because he he has been an athlete his whole life. I think it's yeah. part of who yeah. he is. So he's super supportive of that. So join the run group. Join Run Fit. 
and you start running a 5K. So mm-hmm. I ran my first 5K. I thought, yeah. I have arrived, right? Yeah. Then you join the group again and again, and you think, okay, what's next? And then your running peers just push you into yes, yeah. hey, it's, we're doing it's this. peer pressure of the best kind, you right? You can do it. Yeah. It's a 10K. Oh, my God, six miles. Oh, my God. So you just get into it, and you get all of this um, great mojo, and then you start going to destinations to yes. run, and then it, you just get so excited about it. Yeah. And then, of course, after um, – half marathons then the next thing is is a marathon so yeah which I said I would never do but I did <laughs> I think most people who run a marathon said at one point they would never do one yeah so, so what was that experience like oh my gosh that was something the training for well first of all people need to understand I am and I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating it's just reality I am a I am a slow runner I'm a 13 14 minute per mile pace right great still a runner yeah I run walk Many yeah. times. So it takes me three out, about three hours to finish a half marathon. Yeah. If I come in under three hours, I'm pumped. Great. And so I knew a marathon was going to take a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the hardest thing I've ever put myself through physically and mentally. mentally. It's, oh, my god. Almost gosh. more so mentally. What? Um, what are, you talk yourself out of things. You talk yourself into things. You have to figure out when to eat, when to sleep. What am I going to wear? Well, I can't go this place Friday night because I have eight miles next morning. <laughs> I mean, it just became a job, but it was very rewarding to to complete it. Yeah. And then, of course, we had... A, and it was Chicago? It was Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we had a very sad um, experience at school where yeah. we lost a beloved yes. teacher. And um, his funeral was the day of the Chicago Yes, Marathon. I remember that. So I... I th- I talked to yes. you, I yeah. th- and I talked to a lot of people. I said, "I'm just seeking advice. What do I do?" Mm-hmm. And I remembered that the the last text um, he and I had exchanged, he was saying, "I'm so proud of you for your running." And Aww. I'm like, "Okay, yep. decision made." Yeah, he he would want me there. It's for sure, sh- there, that was no doubt in my mind. Yeah. I bet it was easier for me to say, yeah. you know. And but. I had the I I I knew in my heart, but I, I there were there were some people who really questioned that. Well. And so I struggled with that, but I didn't even for a single second. Thank you. And I really, I appreciated that. Um, as someone who knows what you do to get to that point. And then I found a way to honor him at the race and, um, I was just an emotional wreck. So (laughs) it was just, I mean, I during the actual race or like when you crossed the finish line, I got to mile 20. First of all, when I started, I said, I'm running the, I might have had a few curse words in there, but I am running the Chicago <laughs> Marathon. Oh, yep. my gosh. Yep. And then uh, you just get caught up in it, and it's just so amazing. And the support, the crowd support is incredible. And so you are you get halfway through, and some of our people from Run For Your Life had just gone to spectate. Oh. And they were waiting for me at the halfway oh, point with my food. And oh. it was so cool. And I got to mile 20, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Like, it's like it's, becoming real. I'm going to do it. And then the last mile, you're just running up. Is it Michigan Avenue? Michigan Avenue. And the wind is just, I mean, the tables are all blown over. The bananas <laughs> are all over the ground. And I'm one of the last ones coming in, of course. Oh, no, not even close. Oh, my gosh. And I am I just start sobbing, yeah. you know, a quarter mile out. And I just lose it completely and um, got to the finish line. And some of my friends had waited for me because they don't let a crowd at the finish exactly. line. You have to clear yeah, out. They- Yep. So my friends had finished an hour before and went and got their sweatpants and were mm-hmm. standing there in the freezing cold waiting yep. for me. So it was just this wonderful, um, if you've never been part of a run group or a team, I know people play on tennis teams or um, other soccer teams, but it was just, I've never really done a team sport mm-hmm. thing. So it was a really wonderful 
experience. And I called my husband from the hotel and said, if I ever say I'm going to do this again, please talk me about it. I never want to do this again. This was so hard. And, of course, I'm signed up. Of course. Because that's how it works. So what's your next one? So we were signed up for Marine Corps, oh. of course, last year. Didn't okay. happen. Yeah. And then um, this year they announced it was going to be in person, but too late for us all to get our acts yeah. together. Yeah, okay. Because there were a bunch of us. So we're doing it in 2022. 2022. Okay. I did the virtual Marine Corps last year, and I got I injured partway that. through, so I walked the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. So I walked a marathon. Eight here, hours. In here. Town. On oh, the Greenways. Wow. Eight hours. Had all kinds of friends with me. You are kidding me. I had no idea. Did and it took it took just under eight hours. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And people might say... Why did you walk this thing? I said, because they sent me a medal. Yeah. I, I didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. I Otherwise, can't, yeah. This medal's sitting on my kitchen table. I can't mm. put it around my neck if I haven't earned it. So I did that. And then we're, we've decided this fall we're just going to get our joy back for running. Yeah. And just not yeah. sign up for anything big. Just Are, are you going to do anything locally? Like I'm some smaller thinking, races? Mm-hmm, thinking yeah. about half, half marathon seems to be my jam. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have a full, it's not a full-time job to train. I agree. If you miss a run, you're yeah. okay. And you don't have to sleep for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, we're going to just get some fun back in our lives with the running and then uh, be nice and healthy next yes. year. We'll That's a great, great, great idea. And your group has really been cohesive and stuck together, haven't they? They're like, amazing. Like pretty much from the get go. Like, I feel like it's all the same people. It is all the same. People. Yeah, it is. And, and they're, you know, our, our thing is we go for our Saturday run and we hang out at Starbucks for an hour. And yes. Talk. And we see yes. you and your group yes. hanging out on yes. the other side. I yeah, it's just wonderful. And I'm not Carla from school. I'm yeah. not anybody's supervisor. I'm just, just fun. We yeah. talk about all kinds of things runners talk about. Oh, um, gosh. I know. I said I've had some of my best therapy sessions mm-hmm. during long runs. Exactly. And not even really intentionally. Mm-hmm. Just sort of all com- kind of comes out. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Running, I say, is the only form of exercise. I've, I was also not really a serious athlete growing up. I mean, not did some stuff here and there. But... But in college, you know, uh, it was like everybody worked out. You have to work out, you know, kind of do if it's not the step aerobics, then, you, you know. And I never really enjoyed it. And it was always with, like, one goal in mind, which was, like, how does my body look? Mm-hmm. Like, right. how is this making my body change in its appearance? And then I found running, and I was like, oh, it, like, that's not even on my radar. <laughs> like, that's nowhere on my radar screen. I'm like, there's a form of exercise that you can do that, like, that doesn't even come into the equation. Like, you're doing it for, like, every reason except that. Like, sign me up. Like, it's the great You're so good at it. Well, you are so it's good all it. relative, right? Yeah. Like, you, you know, like, not relative to a lot of the people that I admire and, and run with. I'm not. But, um, but the I think you can do it anywhere. Yes, exactly. And, um, you have a runner for your, like your daughter has become a runner. None of my kids have really adopted it as a sport yet, but I'm. I would say none out. of my family members love it as as running itself. Yeah, they will all run as a form of exercise. Yes, but they don't, and they've all. I, this is something I'm super proud of. They none of them would have run a half marathon if it weren't for me. I don't oh, think. Oh, see, I love that. So I've run a half marathon with each one of them, Ugh. and so Pat ran Kiowa with me. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Kenzie yes. and I ran one in um, Phoenix. And Which, we also ran, our favorite was Zion National. Park. That was the most epic. I mean, those pictures. It was amazing. Yeah. It was literally 10 degrees on the, you know, on the register, on the thermometer. Yeah. Zero with the wind chill when we started. So we have really great laughs about that. Yes. Race. And then Tully and I met in um, 
Montreal and ran a half marathon in Montreal. Can't deny that. Oh my gosh. So I said, well, you know, do you want to run a half marathon? And, I, and he said, yeah, I'll run one with you. And so I said, well, find one for us. And he found one in Montreal and we took a long weekend and oh met in Montreal. I mean, to, like if that ever happens to me, <laughs> I will die and think I'm going to heaven. Like that's, that's like the ultimate. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Okay. Let, um, the title of this podcast, mm-hmm. so there were lots of reasons why I wanted to have you on here, mm-hmm. and I've already told you some of those, but but the title is um, makes a reference to strong women, mm-hmm. um, so that's another reason why I wanted to have you on, because I definitely categorize you as a very strong woman in the best sense of the word, but I'm always curious to find out how people define that, like what, what ingredients make a strong woman, and I, no, I'm not so much into like men versus women, but for this, the sake of this conversation, I really do want to hone in on women and like, what are your thoughts on that? What, how do you define that? So interestingly enough, I think it has, my, my view of that has changed as I've aged. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Uh I'm I'm 54 and turning 50 was just, I always describe it as very liberating. I don't know. There's something about turning 50 that you've just turned this corner and you, you appreciate other people a little bit more. I think before 50, I was more focused on myself, and now I can look at other people and say, wow, that's not how I would do it, but that's amazing. Yeah. And you can just really step back and say different strokes for different folks yep. and really appreciate people for different reasons. And, um, I mean, I, I find so many women inspiring. I, I love this word, badass. I It's it's become a really big word, but mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's very yep. descriptive. I mean, I was, I was raised for since I was 14 or 15 by a single mom. I, so I have huge respect for single parents. And mm-hmm. you, you probably see some single parents in your work yeah. and what they have to do as as single parents and especially a single mom in a category by itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, people who have to just figure things out, people who are, um, in careers that aren't traditionally maybe, maybe female oriented and people have had mm-hmm. to be a little more scrappy to yeah. get there and the grit and determination that it takes and the confidence. Yes. I just, I think a strong woman is a confident woman and yeah. maybe because that's something I don't always have. Yeah. I, I need people around me to say, of course you can do this. Let's go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Um, I, I think when I see a woman who has confidence, it's very appealing to me. Uh-huh. You know, I just think, wow, how did they get that confident? Uh-huh. I would love to be that confident. Um, I think women who, who say anything like, um, I'm just going to go for it. I don't know what's going to happen. I just love uh-huh. it. People who are saying, uh, this is so open-ended. I don't know where this is going to land, but I'm going to take this risk and I'm going to go for it. That takes a really important kind of strength. Um, I think sometimes I, the quieter, stronger, silent types, you don't, they can get over overseen as far as being yes. strong people. I agree. Um, but I think sometimes the ability to say less and just hang back and be that strong, steady presence mm-hmm. um, may get overlooked as a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who don't need to be out in the front mm-hmm. waving um, and, and again under under the radar. Um, people who have, I think of parents with kids with special needs, again, oh. something you see. I mean, yeah. how strong are those yeah, that's, parents? Again, in a category by itself. And the ad, how much they have to advocate and still um, advocate for their child and worry about their child all the time, but yet need to be kind in, their, in mm-hmm. how they advocate because that's going to get them where they need yes. to be. Um, gosh, I, I just think women, again, I've just appreciated more and more the differences in people's strengths and yes. how they show strength in different ways. That's and nice to hear. Instead of just, oh, this person is a career 
um, yeah. pioneer. Yeah, you know? they check these boxes, and so therefore, yeah, yeah, they're at the top of their game, and yeah, yeah. you're you're. That's a great point. Like there, it comes in all different forms. Yep. Um, and you talked in a in a about. I listened to your conversation with Anna, and I think about her generation and, and the kids in their twenties right now, the millennials, and just they. I love their confidence, and I love their. You know what? I'm just going to do this because this is what sounds interesting to me, and I'm going to try it. Like, how I do too. Is that? I do too, and I I honestly think some of the angst that exists around those gener, whether it's a, the millennial generation or the Gen Z generation, um, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of like, oh gosh, I wish I could have done mm-hmm. done that, or I, you know, because. Uh, I agree. Like, I, I think it's fantastic. In fact, when she answered that question about how she defines it, I was kind of surprised. Like, I didn't expect that to come out of her, like, talking so much about um, self-love and, mm-hmm. you know, forming your own opinion of yourself, um, irrespective of what other people think. I think that that's um, that it's a credit to their generation. And hopefully, mm-hmm. maybe it's from the modeling that they, I don't know. There you go. You know? like, Absolutely. Hopefully, we set the stage for that. But um, that's great. I'm... I'm not surprised to hear you say any of that. Um, and what's funny is that I feel like you described yourself to oh, a T. Yes, like really, truly. You were intending to, but really a lot of what you just said is wow. you. Interesting. So, um, okay, so we're going to start winding this down. I have a series of like, I mean, they're not like super fun or funny questions, but just easy questions. Okay, okay. Easy. So, yes, just anything that comes to mind. Um, yeah, just to kind of wrap it up. Okay, so the first question is um, morning person or night owl? It depends on the time of year. Oh, okay. So during the school year, total morning person. Uh-huh. Saturday morning, once I'm up and done grumbling, I love getting <laughs> up early to run. Yeah. During the summer, my body shifts a little bit, and I will stay up where it's really quiet, and I will read till uh-huh. 1 in the morning, one thirty in the morning, and then sleep till 9, okay. 9.30. If left to my own schedule that's yeah. what my body would say. I like that I like so. that you can do that that you can shift it on it and just kind of shift it yeah. a little bit based on yeah, yeah the school year okay mm-hmm. makes sense too um you've heard me say I'm an Olympic freak like oh, I'm getting yeah. like I literally have like a clock on countdown um do you have a favorite Olympic sport or event I of course now that I've become a runner I love the running events yes I'm reading Alexi Pappas's oh, gravy I have not read it but I listened to a podcast when she was interviewed on it and I was like well I'm getting that book it's a great book yeah. I have it all alone okay I'm done. it is and she talks right now she's part the, at the place in the book where she's in Olympic Village okay she's talking about Olympic oh. Village so if you're an Olympic oh. yeah person then, yeah but okay yes. all the running events I've been fascinated by um Alephine Oh gosh! One of the marathons. Yes, I love. Amazing. You like oh, talk about a strong woman? Yes, exactly. Girl just cranked out a baby, and then three months later runs <laughs> right. in the trials right. and like right. what? wins them. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. She's crazy. Okay. Yeah. So most of the track and field stuff. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, you maybe have already mentioned it, but I have down here most impactful book you've ever read. Mm. I mean, that's such a broad question and really hard because you're a reader, so you probably have a lot that you could list. Mm. So if you want to get, rattle off a few. I'll tell you some of the more recent. I, I read, like, at least a book a week. So oh, my gosh. You don't read a book a week. I, I don't know how to work my TV. <laughs> <laughs> so. So. Okay, this is hilarious. <laughs> to call. I couldn't figure out how to turn my TV on, so I just decided I would read instead. I have to That's call hilarious. somebody to figure out how to watch something on the TV. 
So I'm a big reader. I'm, I mean, I'm at the public library once a week a picking book up books that are on hold. Oh, yes. That um, is nuts. Do you read them all or do you listen to any on Audible? I do not listen. It's you don't? reading. Okay. But I have branched out to a Kindle because when I go to Phoenix or I go to yeah. New York, I want just, I have to take more than one book with me and I can't. Yeah, you can't <laughs> stack six of them in your bag. Stack of them in my That's little hilarious. New York City backpack. So recently, um, of course, this Alexi Pappas book, I read mostly fiction. Okay. So the nonfiction, um, her book has been really impactful, and that uh, How to Raise an Adult, yeah. as far as a professional book, has been really, really wonderful. Um, and I love, I'm a big um, Brene Brown fan oh, of anything love she her writes too. if yep. I'm going to read nonfiction. Um, fiction, the most recent book that has really impacted me, and it was a controversial book, was called American Dirt, and it was about a... Um, a, a mother and son who are leaving um, Central America or South America after uh, her husband is, is murdered. And it's their journey as an immigrant family. Wow. And it's it's had a lot of controversy because the author herself hasn't experienced this. And oh, okay. so it was, it was a college read for some schools and then some pulled it. Uh-huh. But it was just a, a really interesting book that gave me um, insight into the challenges that some of these people face and, mm-hmm. and what they have to go through and, I just, it's a book that has really stuck with me. Okay. American Dirt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was obviously writing those down, so they'll be on my list now, too. Do you have a dream destination? Like a, a dream vacation destination? So our family happy place is Kiowa. Yeah. It might be Napa now after we had our oh, Napa vacation. Really? Um, oh, really? And I, I think I have never been to the Caribbean. Uh-huh. And just like a St. Lucia or... Yeah. Um, even a Puerto Rican, like, like something. Yeah, I really want to go there. But any vacation for me, a dream vacation is where my whole family, where is. family I know is. that's trite. And no, whatever, it's but, the perfect answer. But Kiel yeah. is our happy place. We go there every year on our anniversary, and we just, it just restores us. Yeah. It's just a wonderful place. That's a good word. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's restorative. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so it's funny that I wrote this question down because I did not, I did not know at the time that you had this massive music background. Mm. So, listeners... She walked in my house and saw my piano and asked who played, and then proceeded to tell me that she played her whole life and almost majored in music. And yeah, so she's like a closet musician. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're not a closet. I don't hear you talk about it much. So, yeah. anyhow, I knew you had this love of music, live music, yes, right? Like, I do. Yes. So I knew that existed. So I was thinking about that when I wrote this question down, which is, um, what's the song or songs couple that when you hear it? You have to stop everything and just sing mm-hmm. along. Okay. Like, yeah. All right. So my favorite band is the Avid Brothers. Yes. That's not a secret. I've been to almost 40 Oh, my concerts. gosh. You have? Yes. I'm almost at 40. I think I'm at 39. That's so awesome. 40 is coming this fall. I already okay. have tickets. Um, and I'll go to see anybody live. So any live music is great. Yeah. But I love Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh! That comes on. It's cranking. Yep. And we're singing. And also awesome. scenes from an Italian restaurant. Oh! Oh, great song. One. Yes. Anything by Elton John. I'm obsessed with the Rocket Man soundtrack these days. Love it. Yeah. So great. And I love the most recent Star is Born music. I'm a new, I'm a new Lady Gaga fan. Same. So when yes. Shallow comes on, I have answer. to crank it and sing. Yes. Same. I'm kind of obsessed with that movie just in general. Like, it was really good, wasn't it? Was like it was like one of those haunting, like haunted me after yeah. I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Those are great, great songs. <laughs> okay. Um, two more. Uh, 
I don't know if you're going to have an answer to this. If mm. you hadn't gone into education, teaching, mm. is there any other occupation that you could have seen yourself doing? Well, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, well, yeah. um, I almost went into music therapy. Um, I was a big musician all the way through school. Marching band, concert band, jazz band. I used to play the piano for the eighth grade graduation. Oh, was, you did? When I was the dean, but now oh that gosh, I have a bigger role, I, I have things yeah, I have yeah. to do. Yeah, you have other um, so I jobs. Bring out that piano music, and I, I just really love playing piano. I I often thought I would be very happy in a library, like in a in a, a university library, because really? I love books so much. Yeah, um, but I don't know. It. I need people. I was gonna say I don't. Yeah. I need people. I really, I really love mentoring 20-somethings. I've had a lot of um, kids connected to my kids or kids for other reasons I've been mentoring who are in their 20s. Yeah. So some sort of maybe career counseling I think would be really fun. I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or um, transition, people who are transitioning to college or transitioning out of college. I think I would enjoy something along those lines. But Mm -hmm. you're a, it's so fun, like you're a lifelong server mm-hmm. that Mr. you're a servant servant leader, leader. Mm-hmm. yes you're of the mm-hmm. best kind yeah mm-hmm. um okay the very last question um is kind of putting you on the spot but the thing you're most looking forward to in the next six months oh gosh next six months um, between now and the end of the, the yeah. calendar year is i mean what i am so excited about a school year that looks a little more normal just for kids yeah and teachers i I just, kids deserve it, teachers deserve it. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what, what a regular school year can look like. Yeah. But other than that, um, I kind of mentioned it earlier, I'm, I, I haven't been to a live race. Uh, and the th- I always say the three things I spend my money on are plane tickets, mm-hmm. concert tickets, and race entry fees. Yeah, and I, ironically enough, and, and maybe my money is well placed because those are the three things I've really missed. Aww. So I'm looking forward to just getting on a plane and going to see family. I'm looking forward to getting back to live racing, and I'm looking forward to concerts, getting back to concerts. So Aww. all of those things will happen in the next few months, so I'm excited that about that. That makes me smile. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Oh, this is so fun. I feel like I want to, I, I don't even know how long this has gone on for, <laughs> almost an hour, but um, I'm going to let you get going, so I don't keep you all night, but thank you very much for doing this. Thank you. This. this was so fun. It was yeah. nice to have a long conversation with you. We I know. These quick... In passing conversations. I know. I would great. love to do this again more, whatever. We don't have to record it. We'll just... Just chat. Yeah, we'll just like chat. It. So, But thank you very much. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Um, all right. I think that's it. Okay. Well, that was so awesome. Carla, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast. And what a delightful conversation. I got so much out of that. I know you guys enjoyed listening to it. So I'm going to go through a few little takeaways here at the end, um, just some highlights of our conversation. Number one, is anyone surprised to hear that she played school from the time she was three years old and that she's always wanted to be a teacher? I think not. I think everyone is probably not at all surprised by that. And thank God she didn't listen to the people that were trying to talk her out of teaching. Um, Number two, um, why not me? That's a phrase that she said she Um, she uses when opportunities for leadership arise that she'll sometimes just say, why not me? Um, And I think that ends up being a really good strategy. Number three, servant leadership is effective leadership. She talked about the image um, from the conference that she chose, the image of sort of hoisting somebody up in a pool um, and elevating others. And boy, what an effective um, 
way to lead others, and she does that so well. Number four, even if our kids aren't going through adversity themselves, um, we can still, you know, find ways for them to develop those qualities that we want them to have, like hard work and grit and resilience. And she reminded me that, you know, just modeling, you know, they're watching us live our lives. And so modeling the behaviors that we hope to see in them can be a really powerful tool. So that was a great reminder. Uh, Number five, when it comes to raising kids, prioritizing giving them our time over giving them things creates those magical bonds that we all um, crave and want with our children and ultimately leads to kids who want to spend time with us when they're older. That's key. Uh, Number six, just enjoying your kids without strings attached, without expectations, without guilt trips. It's, It's magic. That leads to fun things like running half marathons with your kids in fun destinations and taking fun little weekend trips with them. Honestly, like it's, it really is key to having this amazing relationship with your adult children. Number seven, a strong woman appreciates different strengths in other women, even when they're different from their own. So she talked about how she, her definition of what makes a strong woman has probably changed um, over time. And as she's gotten older and that was one of the ways that she really felt like, um, she, would say that her definition has changed and that she's able now to just more fully appreciate um, differences in other women and women and differences in the way that they lead or differences in the choices that they make, but just um, appreciating them for who they are. So I think that is absolutely the sign of a strong woman. Um, So that's it. I I know you guys enjoyed that. Um, Again, Carly, you were just such a delight to have on and, um, dead serious when I say I hope that we can kind of have some more conversations like this but just not have have to record them so let's hang out um and also oh my gosh I listened to this back and I said the word yep or yes I think about 5,000 times so (laughs) I gotta I gotta work on that a little bit I gotta cut that down a little so anyhow that's it um I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope you guys have a great rest of the week and we'll get another one of these recorded soon. All right. Take care. Bye.